Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And what's up? Welcome in. It is BC Live. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. And it is a Friday free-for-all edition of the show, which um, pretty much every day is a free-for-all edition, to be honest. But uh, that means we will be sort of, I would say, driven by your questions and your comments and your concerns as we roll through the final episode of the week. We are, of course, as always, Chris, brought to you by Affordable Medical Equipment at AffordableMedicalUSA.com. They are found at 803-926-1493 if you want to go the old school route. And they are, of course, home of the game day chair. And a special announcement today as well, Chris, because it is National Sock Day. So we can't let National Sock Day go by without uh, saying happy National Sock Day to our friends at Dead Soxy and – um if you want to get a, a present for someone this Christmas, I always say, man, you go from being a a kid to a full-on adult when you're actually happy to get socks for Christmas. Um, so you can get somebody some awesome socks. Shoot, even get yourself some nice socks at deadsoxy.com. Code is Holiday Pro. They are one of our um, sponsors we're really thankful for here. We normally do a mid-roll read for them but chris i figured national sock day only comes once a year so we had to talk about them a little bit off the top huh yeah absolutely it would it would be we'd be remiss if we did not do that so yeah check out those guys at dead soxy really awesome socks non-slip technology their dress sock line called boardroom their no-show socks holiday pro the code gets you 35 percent off your entire order i had to go to an event last night outdoor event a little cold very cold, actually. Wore my dead Soxy boardroom socks, and I was good to go, and they were super comfortable. And, of course, Wes, they did not slip. Not whatsoever. So, outstanding product. Make sure you check those guys out. Get 35% off on a very special day, National Sock Day. Holiday break. Um Yeah, big big day for, for those guys. So, uh, go please check them out. You know, honestly, um, we appreciate our, our sponsors here, and we're we're actually probably more picky than you would think about who we do business with. So if, if we're doing business with them, then uh, we believe in them. And um, hopefully you guys, if, if you have to buy socks anyway, you might as well go ahead and, and deal with the best at, at deadsoxy.com. Uh, what's up to our degenerates on the chat? I uh, see everybody getting in already. Appreciate y'all as well. Uh, Tyler Rice is taking a poll, I guess. I mean, we can throw it up. Uh, that's cool. Zestos or Rushes, neither one is a sponsor right now. Rushes used to be a huge sponsor in the Gamecock space. Um, what, what, what do you like best, Zestos or Rushes? That's our poll of the day, I'll say. You got, you got an opinion on that, Wes? I you normally have some really strong food opinions, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you what. 
I'm, I'm, I'm in a habit. I get in habits with my food choices. There's a rushes right down the road from me. Rushes wins out as far as the one I eat at the most. Yep. But being completely honest, it's more just because I don't think of Zestos. Like if I want a good chili cheeseburger, fast food cheeseburger, I just shoot right down the road to rushes. It's a little bit closer. I don't have a huge opinion one way or the other because I haven't been to Zestos in, in forever. Um, now, if, if either one of them wants to get on board, you know, with, with GC Live here, then I'll go eat there quite a bit, to be honest with you. What about you, man? Yeah, I'll, I'll take, especially if it comes with maybe a free cheeseburger, chicken leg, but at both places, just phenomenal. That's where I go because um, with it, I, I'm with you on like the experience factor. Zesto, I just don't get to as much. I'm not as close to it. So I have much more experience with rushes, but I have been to Zesto several times and it is also outstanding. Let's not talk about food too much. Or the people start yelling at us like the other day. Yeah. People, I don't know, man. Most people like to talk about food. I thought, especially yeah. um, food, local food battles. I mean, we still haven't had our sit down of Groucho's versus Andy's um, that we're going to have to do at, at some point. So um, let's see. Both are excellent. Um, Chavis says, but rushes over Zesto. That I, I wonder if that one is uh, as contentious of a battle as some of the other ones. Mm. Like, like I think people have strong opinions about the pizza in Colombia, and dude, me personally, I don't, I don't hate any of the pizza in Colombia. I, I really, honestly, depending on my mood, I'm. I'm it, all the pizza places in Colombia, for the most part, I, I really, really like. So this, uh, and and I've heard, even heard people say there's not there's not a, a great pizza place in Colombia. Well, I feel like there's a lot of great pizza places in the Colombia area, and I, I like them all. So anyway, let's get to football. A little bit of newsy type stuff uh, over the last day or so. The first one we'll hit on off the bat: uh, Micaiah Scott, freshman defensive tackle. Um, who I frankly go back and forth between calling Macias and Macias, but um, he is in the transfer portal. That part is official. That part is um, a fact. I do think, Chris, worth pointing out, we're in a little bit different times right now. Under And when we sort of – the way the transfer portal is at this point, we sort of have to – if a guy's in the portal – it has to be reported because it's going to be reported elsewhere anyway. Yeah. Um, there's national guys that basically just look at the portal every single day, I think, and it's going to get put out. So factually, he is in the transfer portal. We have reported that on Gamecock Central. Other people have reported that as well. Now, the South Carolina staff under Will Muschamp had sort of taken an approach of if you're in the portal, that means you're out. Um, yep. you know, so, so it's kind of, if a guy was in the portal, that meant we could pretty much rule out unless there was a weird circumstance that, that he was going to be gone, or at least was planning to be gone. I think with a coaching changeover, no new coach official, the weirdness of 2020, you know, if, if Scott talks to the new coach this off season and says, look, I actually really like it in Columbia. I want to come back. Um, 
I I don't think this one maybe is quite as just locked in as maybe most of them would be. Do you think that is fair to say? I do. Yeah, just based on some things we heard even before this move was made. And, you know, the transfer portal, you're right. South The way that South Carolina, at least previously under Muschamp, handled it is if you go in, then, then you're you're out of the program. You know, you're, don't, you're not going to jump in and jump out just to become like a free agent. But it is different in this regard because of the coaching search and because in this time of transition, um, you know, what you can do, because I think Scott's still enrolled in school, all those different things. Um, so he could very well come back. It's a sort of speculation to say what he's going to do right now. But the transfer portal gives you a way and an avenue to officially and legally speak with other schools, right? So if, uh, you know, Georgia Tech or whoever wants to start talking to, you know, to Scott now, then that gives you that avenue to to go ahead and do that. And um, now I would imagine whoever comes in here, is going to have that conversation with him. Um, from what we understand, Wes, it's a guy that uh, at least the previous staff thought I had, had a chance to be a good player. He was a young player, but had a chance to eventually be good, a, a big guy who moved pretty well. And I would think he's someone that they're going to take a look at keeping. Now, what will happen, we don't really know. But the portal, I think, is what we're trying to get across here is in this particular situation, the portal entry is not necessarily indicative of this guy's definitely gone. This guy's definitely off the team. Just like when Scott opted out after the season, it did not mean that he was definitely, you know, opting out of the team forever. It was just sort of a here's where things are right now situation. Yep. So that that'll be cert, you know, certainly something to keep an eye on as um as we head into the offseason. And and frankly, man, I mean, uh all all the guys on the current team. You're, we're going to sort of have to do some checking. I, I think once the season is over and, and once things move forward, once a new staff is in place, that would be something we're tracking quite a bit as far as what what is the approach from, from all these guys as far as their individual decisions on, on what they want to do. Um, the other news, and, and by the way, like you said, man, Scott's a guy they really liked. Uh, I was trying to see what he was listed as weight-wise, um, as far as South Carolina's official roster, because, you know, frankly, he was a he's a bigger guy out of high school. And I believe, man, South South Carolina that to me they they need some some bigger guys. If you look at sort of the future of this roster, one of the needs that I, I think is going to be important for them. You know, they, they've signed some really good defensive linemen. Don't get me wrong. They've recruited actually really well at those spots on paper. But I think they miss a true interior, like, nose guard, like, one technique type player. Um, you know, so whether it's uh, Scott coming back and, and sort of, uh, you know, progressing, I guess, or, or going and, and just getting somebody, I think that's sort of a, a big need for the next staff that maybe is a little bit overlooked by all the obvious, you know, like the receiver need and stuff like that. So um, that the only way your linebackers are ever going to be good, especially against the run, is if you have guys up front who can keep the opponent from getting their offensive linemen up to your, your linebackers, basically. So that, to me, that's a huge need for South Carolina and probably a topic for another day where we'll go deeper into it. But certainly um, – 
something to keep an eye on. The other big sort of team-type news would be, uh, and we thought it was heading this way, Chris, but Shai Smith, um, all, you know, all accords are that he will be playing on Saturday. Bobo updated his status on Thursday night, call-in show um, last night at, at Backstreet's. By the way, if you want to talk food, Backstreet's, great place to grab a meal in Columbia now. Fairly new place, great spot to go, take your girlfriend or your wife. But, um, Chris, I'm, I think maybe people create a whole new appreciation for Shy Smith and Shy Smith's career and certainly Shy Smith's senior year because there was always sort of a a butt attached to Shy Smith like yeah he you know he's pretty good but he hasn't been Debo he hasn't been Brian Edwards and with all the sort of extra things surrounding 2020 the fact that Shy has finished this thing out wants to go compete another time with his teammates and really I think man with with him being in concussion protocol there's not really a with, with teammates opting out and people around the country now opting out he really probably could have gotten away really easily by just saying and eh, I still don't feel right and nobody probably even bats an eye because it's a concussion deal you know he very clearly wants to compete, wants to go out there at least one more time with his teammates. And I think as far as how people will remember Shy Smith's career uh, has probably changed a little bit based on, for the positive, you know, based on how this year has gone. Yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to probably, he, he might end up being undervalued because the team did not win this year. But I think people who, you know, have a good handle sort of on history and a good handle on Gamecock football in general are probably going to look back in 10 years, 20 years, whatever, and remember that Shy Smith did some really good things here. And, and so there were a lot of, there are a lot of butts, like you said, attached to it. And one of them, quite frankly, was just going into this year, we didn't know what would happen on the field necessarily, but can Shy Smith be the number one receiver, become more consistent? He did all those things. And you know what? He did them under really difficult circumstances because one of the biggest questions of this offseason was, will South Carolina get Shai Smith some help at receiver? So he's not not just the number one guy, but the only guy. By and large, that didn't really happen. You know, I mean, he was he was the guy and he still went out and got his every game and he made some big plays for this team. Then you look at the fact that, you know, the coach just gets dismissed some teammates opt out. Um, You look at the fact that he's you know, been in concussion protocol, like you said, he's still out there last game. This is a guy that's made himself money this year, you know, so that's another layer to it. He came from his junior to his senior year, his NFL stock stock has gone up to where some people think he could be like a mid-roundish type pick potentially, particularly if he runs really well at the combine, which he'll have a chance to do. And he's going to have some really good tape from this year. And he's super competitive. And he's shown that even in bad in a bad situation from, from the team standpoint. So, all those things help him a lot. Overall, this has been a season to forget, you know, in a lot of ways. But there's some little, not little, but there's some individual things that people are going to remember. One of them being how shy played. Um, and another, I think, the potential of Kevin Harris to hit 1,000 yards if he does it, even if he doesn't, the season that he has. Yeah, and um, 
the the thing about shy I, I think um I, i'll be curious to see what he does run at the combine i i hope he i hope he goes to the combine because i i'd love to see what the official number is man i remember watching shy you'll remember this too watching shy that that week uh when it seemed like this was back when south carolina so when south carolina first uh started under Muschamp, they there there was not this big limit on how many camp days you could have. Right now it's what ten days in the summer. Um, do you remember the first couple of off seasons? Muschamp had like twenty six camps. I think twenty six camp days during the summer. Um, yep. And Chris and I liked to brag about the fact that Gamecock Central um, had at least one of us. Usually most of us, or, or usually both of us. Uh, sorry, former English teacher. Um, <laughs> out there for every single one yes and but i remember shy came out there it seemed like there was one week where he just came out there every day (laughs) and he could not be covered in camp and i remember thinking this dude is gonna be a beast at south carolina and you know and to his credit he has played uh from the second he got on campus it started out um you know, with him as sort of the third receiver, has worked his way up. Now he's the guy. Um, it's been fun to watch him grow. It's been fun to watch him mature under Bobo as well. One of the comments on here, one of our listeners, was that Mike Bobo has been good for Shy Smith. I tend to agree with that. I think it sort of changed his mindset a little bit. And uh, I think you look and – I disagree with this comment from Periscope that Shai struggles to get open and is very inconsistent. Um, he's had some drops over his career. Now, you remember his freshman year, he didn't have a single drop the entire year, I don't think. So um, I, I really think Shai not only will be someone that can work his way into being a nice draft pick, Chris, I think he could stick at the NFL as well. It's, it's all going to be about where he ends up. Is there a quarterback that can get you the football? But guys like him, even if he's like a a third receiver, slot receiver type, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, he he has a skill set that should stick at that level, I think. Yeah, he does. He's going to run well. He's very athletic. Um, He's shown playmaking ability. He can probably go help an NFL team on special teams, you know, as a gunner, maybe even as a return guy. Wes, the thing I remember about that camp is, you know, you got to remember – you know, it was evident that Shy was going to be good, but a lot of the kids that are at those camps, the majority of them, you could say, are not going to be, you know, SEC caliber players. So Shy was just absolutely, I mean, you, you consider that he was absolutely toasting those type of players. But remember, he got bored and lined up at corner some, and you would always make fun of me because I wanted to make Shy into a corner. Well, you wanted to make everybody, everybody into a corner. Yeah, you always said that. But, you know, anybody of Shy's size who can run and move like that, I'm always intrigued by as a corner, and I still think he could play it. There was a uh, – I think he played at Miami. Sam Shields, remember he played for Washington a while back, but he, he was at Miami. He was a college wideout and I think transitioned to the NFL level as a DB. Like he got to the NFL and they're like, we're going to play at DB, and he was outstanding. But uh, anyway, I think Shy will play receiver – so you're still – you haven't given up no, on I'm still – I'm not giving up hope. Maybe one day I won't shy to go play in the NFL for a few years and then get bored and be like, I'm going to go play corner. 
Well, I, I, I remember thinking much like, um, God, I wish I could remember the story. Was it Tanner McAvoy? Um, basically, there, there was like a joke. Don't, don't let Steve Spurrier see you. Um, God, I swear I think it was Tanner McAvoy. Making one-handed catches, just warming up, goofing off. And it was like, yep. uh, don't don't let Spurrier see you doing that. J- just like, you know, Farrow Cooper comes in wanting to be the next Gilmore, and Spurrier sees him and is just like, no. <laughs> You're playing receiver. I remember yep. thinking, you know, when Shy was goofing off playing corner, you know, the, it's the opposite. It was like, don't let Muschamp see you, see you play in corner because he's going to be like, dude – you're you're now a DB, yeah. Uh, just because of the way those guys think. Yeah, my um, Muschamp and uh, and I remember Muschamp and T Rob were like off to the side during that camp, and they were like looking and pointing. And you're like, wait a minute, no, 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 it's got to be. Yeah. No, it, that was Tanner McAvoy who you're talking about. I'm pretty. There were people in the program who were like, Tanner McAvoy would probably start at receiver, like if we moved him there. So yeah, yeah heck of an athlete. Yeah, no doubt. And then he ended up going and played some receiver in the NFL or played safety. In the, he played somewhere in the NFL for a, for a minute. I don't I don't think he's there anymore, but uh, I think with Seattle. But anyway, all right, so I do want to address something in the comments here, Chris, uh, right. from, from USC Gamecock fan, who I wish would give us a little uh, a little more – Give us your name, man. That, that's like the most um, vague um, username ever. But he has been going on and on on here about how we, Chris, have not talked about people other than Shane Beamer, which, first of all, not completely true. We have talked about other candidates. Um, maybe you missed it. But I will say this, what – what we talk about and who we talk about um, is completely driven by the information. So it's not that he said it's not fair that we're not talking about other people. First of all, no nobody cares who we're talking about or not talking about. They're not making a hire based on who Chris and Wes blab about on YouTube. But there, there's a reason – that we talk about certain people as much as we do. And I think we need to make that clear because um, it's not just playing favorites. It's not picking a name out of a hat. Um, It's very calculated, I think is the way to say it. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, one thing on there was um, I saw another comment from the same person. Yeah. All the coaching search talk has slowed up now that Beamer is no longer the leader. Um, wouldn't wouldn't agree with that with that notion. I don't think this the search talk has slowed down a little bit because here's the reason why to, to just zoom out on that. The first night of the search, the official first night of the search was a Sunday night when Will Muschamp was dismissed. And things had been we, – we knew things were moving in that direction, so we'd already been gathering some information. Some wheels had been in motion. And so based on that, we rolled an update that first day. The next day, 
more stuff is happening at the beginning of a search, right? There's more digging. There's more um, of us uncovering some information. It's a little bit more frantic in terms of some names maybe being in and out. We're at the point now in the search where we all know that it's getting much closer to the end of the search than the beginning. Certainly, we, we might be in the next few days. We might know what is exactly what's going to happen, maybe sooner. And so it's not as frantic with information coming in and out. There's only a, a few guys that are legitimately even in the thing right now, you know. And so that's why, you know, in terms of having maybe a daily update or two or three times a day, you know, you may not see that on our site because we're trying just to take sort of a measured approach of when, when there's new information, um, we'll, we'll definitely pass it on, you know. Um, but I, I think I think there have been some there's some assumptions being made about positioning of certain guys that aren't quite accurate, you know, just based on what we hear. But just to clarify that the, the coaching search information, it doesn't really have to do with a with a certain candidate as far as like the amount or the frequency of it. It's just sort of where we're at in the process. Yep. So um, hopefully, speaking of the process, hopefully it is a process that as uh, was their goal that can be wrapped up here pretty soon and, and that everybody can sort of start to move forward with um, with people going forward uh, maybe Sunday, maybe Monday, sometime early next week and get somebody in place so that South Carolina can – it's something we have talked about a lot on here, regardless of who the coach is. The quicker you have that guy in place, the quicker he can start to build his staff, the quicker he can let the recruits and their families know uh, you know, who's going to be coaching the, the various positions. And, you know, man, I, I think some some of those things, just based on history, some of those things, um, there will maybe be a, a couple of staffers that it might move very fast. Um, like, hey, this guy's on board. I'm sure there will be other guys where it, it it's sort of a like a, a slow uh, building of the staff, like a trickle-down effect where um, maybe – you get a guy this day, then a few days later you get another guy. And as they sort of complete their current responsibilities at, at other places. So I think that will be, that will be sort of a built-in advantage to going ahead and getting somebody in here, man, would be that you can start to move those guys in and, and really focus on finishing out this recruiting class. And then possibly even more important, it's kind of a thing of recruiting your current roster and, and making sure all these guys are um, are happy and, and wanting to stick around, and, and what their thoughts are, and really what your what your plans are um, for, I guess the the current players, so that they can know. I mean, you you don't want to drag them out and drag them along either, where they're just sitting there wondering who, who's my head coach going to be. So there's a little bit of a sense of of doing right, you know, Ray Tanner whatever anybody wants to say about Ray Tanner. I do believe Ray Tanner a hundred percent when he has always said, I'm student athlete first. Um, I don't think there's debating that. And I, I think there's an element here of the quicker, if you know who your guy's going to be, the quicker you have somebody in place, the better that is for these student athletes, as far as them being able to make decisions on, on what's going on and making informed decisions on what's going to be best for them moving forward. Yeah, sure thing. And, and that's a huge part of it. You know, your current team, uh, uh, the recruiting part of it's a huge component. 
but the current team, I mean, it's for the future of the program in multiple ways. You want to make sure you stabilize things, uh, but you also want to make sure that, like you said, Wes, you're, you're doing right by the kids. So they've got to go through the process, which we're, again, we're getting close to the end of that, but you go through the process, you complete it. The number one thing is obviously trying to find the best candidate, whoever they think the best candidate is, and then you see if it works out, but you, you pick the guy that you think is going to be best to lead the program. That's number one. But once you know that, move quickly and act quickly. And that seems to have been the plan all along. Each day that goes by that South Carolina doesn't have a new coach is sort of another opportunity for something to go wrong, right? <laughs> whether, it's, whether it's somebody else decommitting that you, you know, the, the new coach would like to keep. We've already seen some of that. Bryce Steele, Radarius Thomas. I mean, these are guys that probably the next coach is going to come in and say, man, wish we had those guys signed or wish we had them. So you got that. It's, it's another day that you can't recruit guys, maybe new guys for the early signing period or towards February to start continuing to build those relationships. It's another day that maybe a guy enters the portal and other schools can start contacting them or other guys start thinking about things a little bit more um, without having a chance to, to, you know, stabilize things with a new coach and putting your staff together. So priority one, obviously find the best guy, but secondly, it does help if we're just being honest, to expedite things um, to, to the best degree that you can. No doubt. Um, by the way, I was, I was looking at YouTube, like inside the, uh, the studio part of YouTube. And before we give a shout out to the game day chair, we got to give a shout out to all of our watchers, both live and sort of the on demand portion, man. Cause I was looking, we've added 400, YouTube, this is YouTube alone, not the other platforms. 400 subscribers on YouTube just in the last month. And we're actually closing in. We're at over 4,600 subscribers on YouTube. So if you're if you're on YouTube and you're just watching, but you have not hit the little subscribe button, do us a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and help push us across because with, by the end of the year, we may hit what I would say would be a really cool threshold to hit um, 5,000 subscribers even, which would mean, dude, that I think we would have added close to 2,000 uh, subscribers on there since we started doing the live show part. I know we had we had maybe 3,000 or so um, when we were just posting videos and stuff from USC, but once we went live, we've had a really big um, – push from you guys and and girls and we appreciate that and it has not gone unnoticed at all so uh, important to mention that um we we got to find some more stuff to give away for the folks uh, that have supported us on here and on gamecockcentral.com um chris you want to tell everybody real quick about the game day chair yeah so the game day chair we mentioned at the top of the show from affordablemedicalusa.com Give them a call, 803-926-1493. Most comfortable game day recliner that you will ever see. Super comfortable and roomy. A variety of positions, TV watching position, lounge position, or the zero gravity twilight lay flat position. Give them a call at 803-926-1493. Ask for the game day chair. Click the links in our podcast description if you're listening on the pod or if you're watching live at the bottom of the YouTube description, you'll see a link for the game day chair. We appreciate their support. Make sure you check them out. Great addition to your man cave or your living room. No doubt. Um, 
I, some some of our listeners, I believe, could probably do the ad for you, man. Um, well, I hope they have the game day chair. Somebody yesterday cannot remember. If you're here today, let me know. I meant to put it up, but we were in the midst of a conversation yesterday when I saw it. Uh, said he was getting one for Christmas. Okay, That's I got an, you. What an outstanding Christmas gift that is! Great idea. Advertising works, man. It always has. So, Justin wants to know if they ship to Louisiana. I will check on that for you, Justin. Go to – click the link if, if you find it on YouTube and, and check the shipping information or give those guys a call and ask about, as you said there, the Maxi Cloud Comfort and uh, and ask them. I don't know for sure. Sorry. All right, let's talk. I mean, this is Friday, man. There is a game on Saturday, um, yep. the final game of the year. Um, And appreciate that, Anthony. Anthony says he, he signed up today. That's awesome. Appreciate awesome. you. Welcome. Let us know if you have any questions. Um, Charles wants to know if we have any thoughts on BYU Coastal. We can talk about that for a second. That's cool. Let's we'll talk about South Carolina first. Um, so I was looking for a photo on inst for for Instagram for the South Carolina Kentucky game, like a little just a post about the game, man. So I was going back through the um, the photos from last year, which was a game. If everyone will remember, South Carolina dominated Kentucky, particularly up front. Um, yeah. This is a team that that Bobo has called um, very physical, and a team that went into last season's game with a reputation of being a physical team. South Carolina continued to to use that little pin and pull scheme that they really fell in love with the middle part of last year. Tavian Feaster had a great game. Rico Daddle had a great game. Passing game was not great. South Carolina had some opportunities to put the game away, I feel like, but just was able to run the football right down Kentucky's throat and actually stop the run. That was before Kentucky went to um, Lynn Bowden. Well, the reason I bring up that is I was going through the photo gallery from that game, and I was looking for a photo of somebody from that game but that was still on the team for this year. I did the same thing this morning. <laughs> and it's like, uh, so the photos, Tavian Feaster, Rico Daddle, Javon Kinlaw, DJ Wanham, TJ Brunson, Ernest Jones, Brian Edwards, you know, I'm uh, JJ Enigbare. The, the people in that game, cause I, I'm sitting here. So I'm, I'm looking dude, for one, shout out to our buddy Michael Beckham, who is talking in the chat right now. Who, when, when, when was the last time South Carolina was a double digit underdog at Kentucky? Um, because that, that, when I first saw that line, it sort of blew my mind. I was like, as, as rough as things are at South Carolina right now, I never thought South Carolina would be a double digit dog to Kentucky. Until I really started, because I was like, man, South Carolina destroyed Kentucky last year. It wasn't really even as close as the score. And then when I started looking at it, though, I'm like, none of these guys are playing in the football game tomorrow. So it has been a while. It's also been a while since uh, – and uh, Mike, if you're still on here, I know you sent me when, – when was the last time South Carolina actually won in Lexington? It's been a while. So 
to so to me my initial instinct was was I think that line's way too big. I'm kind of leaning towards South Carolina winning this game. Um, and Mike says South Carolina's not won in Lexington since 2012. Then the more I looked into it, the more I was like, okay, the line's actually probably pretty accurate. Your thoughts, Chris? No, I did. So I did the same thing with the pictures. Uh, it was really hard to find a guy. Uh, DJ Wanna, man, that was the one. DJ Wanham and Aaron Sterling wreaked havoc last year. And uh, DJ Wanham, by the way, shout out. In the running for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, I mean, thought he would be a good player, but he's he's been really good. What, second in, in, the, in the league in sacks or second in the NFC? Really good. But um, so they're missing some guys from last year that obviously they've missed just in general this season when you talk about some guys up front. But even from just this roster, guys who were going to return, Aaron Sterling, they've been without for a while. But when you're looking at the prospect of not, you know, having Enigbare and not having Ernest Jones, I mean, it's, it's sort of a rough go of it. Aside from what we knew they would they would be missing from the secondary and guys from last season. You know, I, I just think my concern for South Carolina going into this game is, is what I said yesterday. I feel like they have a chance where they can run the ball and put up some points. I think they've still shown that, even as limited as they are, even against Georgia, they put together some drives. They scored some a few points. Um, I just – they have not shown the ability to stop the run against anyone. And Kentucky's offensive line and their running game and a mobile quarterback in Terry Wilson, they've not been very good offensively either. Remember Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated yesterday described it as broken offensively. But they still have the capability to run the ball. And – Wes, some of the holes that we saw last week against Georgia, who has big offensive line, I mean, we could have run for a first down on some of those, you know. Um, and so I think that's got to be the biggest concern for the Gamecocks is defensively in this game, can you stop the run? And you don't really like the chances just based on what we've seen and the lack of personnel. That gives Kentucky a chance to control the game and to win it in the fashion that we've seen them win some of the other games before last season in this series. Yeah, and uh, it, it'll be interesting, man, because I think I have an idea of how the game will play out, but I also think um, which of these teams – on paper, Kentucky probably should be the, the big favorite. Um, what, what does a Luke Doty with – you know, I think I think when you have guys who run around like, like Doty does, guys who sort of create – plays out of nothing sometimes you get shy smith back it gets a little bit more unpredictable um that than maybe it does otherwise and and i think um tur- turnovers are going to be huge in this game because i think it's another one where you look at south carolina is going to need a turnover or two advantage in that department more than likely to, to win the game because did you i mean you mentioned the holes that georgia was able to create i mean it, it doesn't matter how fast or slow your eyes 40 yard dashes were um, a couple of years ago. I think anybody could have run through some of the holes Georgia created and not that Kentucky's offensive line is, is quite Georgia, but at the same time, if you look at their pro football focus stuff, their offensive side, most of the highest graded guys on their offense are on the offensive line. And that's an area they've done very well not only recruiting, but developing and have been able to run the football 
against teams despite, as you said, what Justin Rowling called a broken passing game. If you can still run the football with a, quote, broken passing game, that says something about your your ability up front, I think, man. Yeah, that has been the strength of this uh, of the Kentucky offense. You know, have they ever been incredible? No. Um, th- th- certainly they've taken a step back this season, but um, that's, that's the group that has the most experience, the most talent. It, it's a big group. They have some capable backs, and they're big enough and they're athletic enough that they can get some movement on you. Now, last year they did not, and they didn't protect the passer. They didn't run the ball well enough, but – uh, that was with a Gamecock defensive line that had all those guys that we talked about. I mean, the top four that we just mentioned, Ken Law and Wanham, not on the roster, Inigbari and Sterling not playing, you know, even though they're on the team, not available. So, and then missing Ernest Jones, obviously, and a bunch of other factors. So, yeah, I mean, that that all could play into Kentucky's hand. Now, maybe South Carolina puts together a much better performance. Kentucky doesn't play well. Turnovers, like you said, Wes, I think are going to be significant. you got to get off the field on third down if you get some opportunities those are all going to be really critical in this game. So um, one, one thing, big picture, I think we need to hit on, Chris, that we haven't really talked about, I don't think much on the show, is that, yes, this could be South Carolina's last football game of the year, but maybe not. There is, I think the accurate way to say it, is that there has been some increased chatter that South Carolina could play in a bowl game this year. And obviously the players were asked about it. The players that were asked said, look, you know, we want to go play. If it's available, go play. Um, The SEC has added another bowl tie-in because this year is just different and weird, and we know that. Bowl games are getting eliminated or canceled or or having no fans, but also – Bowls are changing around their affiliations uh, for one year only. And Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl will now feature the Pac-12 versus the SEC. It was announced, um, I think this came out yesterday. So you're going to have, Chris, a ton of SEC slots available. They've done away with the sort of you have to win six games thing that normally exists. Logistically, it could be very, very weird as far as having a coaching turnover and who even coaches the team and how do you even do it. Mm-hmm. But, dude, as weird as it would be, I think the advan- the advantages of letting your guys go practice, of letting, letting a Luke Doty, letting your quarterback get out there and get – Extra real practices, you know, with the with the Rico Powers, with the Jakari Caldwell, with um, Jaheim Bell at tight end. You know, let, letting these young guys, letting the young corners get extra practice when last spring was limited. We don't know what, even what this spring will specifically look like. There are some uh, some advantages, even though I know some people are going to say there's no reason to go to a bowl game if you win two or three games but there are some strong advantages to still doing it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that the young player development is something significant. Now, my question has always been, what does that look like given the timeline that we know about for the coaching search? 
what does that mean, you know, in terms of how that's structured? I'm not sure. That's something that we'll have to find out later. But regardless of how everything is structured, uh, from a coaching staff standpoint, whatever they're out there doing, if they're out there and they're still able to be on the field playing football in a, in a practice setting, trying to get better, you know, a lot of the younger players on this team are – do some of the older guys have to continue to develop? Sure. But the younger guys on this team are going to be sort of the key to whether or not South Carolina can, can turn things around in the, com- in the next couple of years, in the coming years, find some wins and try to progress, turn this thing around. Luke Doty, you know, like you mentioned, Jaheim Bell, Eric Shaw, these young receivers, some young defensive players. Those guys need every bit of reps that they can get. And so to go out there and play is, you know, a fantastic, I guess, surprise, you know, if they end up getting it at the year, end of the year. And I, I will add this in, man. We have been told, really, I, I, would, I think that was early in the season, that there's a lot of future and some current leadership uh, ability, leadership skills yep. among the young guys that South Carolina has on this roster already. And we've already seen that with like a Luke Doty. But I think we will continue to see that based on stuff that um, that we've heard sort of throughout um, their their time on campus already. You look at a Marshawn Lloyd. You look at a Mo Caba who's seeing his playing time go way up right now because the injuries at linebacker. Um, you, you have guys that the new staff will be building around and that you probably are even going to want to build the culture of your program around that are in your current and freshman and sophomore classes. I think it will be key to keep those classes for the most part intact because as much as things did go south for Muschamp and company on the field, the freshman class, the, the group from, from 2020, is actually still a very talented group. Um, on paper, probably the best class and maybe in reality the best class that they they signed at South Carolina. The sophomore current sophomore class has some really talented guys and maybe is more talented than we thought with the emergence of Kevin Harris, who was probably, what, South Carolina's most consistent, best player this season. So the new coach has some – there are holes in this roster. Not saying there's not, but they have some some ability to build around with that freshman and sophomore class. So as you said, you're getting extra reps in practice basically for, for all those guys. Yeah. And the leadership thing that you alluded to, I think is critical. You obviously have to be a a talented team, but some of these guys like Luke and like Marshawn, you know, your, your Alex Huntley types, these are the guys that have potential, you know, team captain, you know, future leader type stuff. And they've already shown that early. You know, even even some guys that we haven't seen a lot of so far in year one, um, we've seen some flash their talent or we've heard good things about some and then some we know have really made an impression early on. And so that's what you want. You know, if you're looking for a turnaround, if some of your younger guys are some of your best guys in terms of the, in terms of locker room and creating culture, that's exactly what you want. And then you have to go continue recruiting more and more of them so that everybody can fall in line. I mentioned that the other day with Steve Spurrier. You know, he's consistently credited, you know, Stefan Gilmore in that 2009 class with coming in and sort of changing some of those things. Was there some talent on the roster already? Sure. But once the younger guys started setting the tone, 
then everything started falling into place from that standpoint. No doubt. Um, by the way, that there was a comment on here that somebody said they heard Ryan Helensky is in the transfer portal. I can tell you that he is not in the transfer portal at this time. Um, I will say, Chris, this is interesting. I don't know if this is even public out there yet or not, but um, former Gamecock target Matthew Hill at Auburn. You remember him, man? We, we went and interviewed yeah. him uh, together in person in yep. uh, Georgia, in the, uh, the Lawrenceville, Georgia area, I believe. And someone that was playing, I think, Chris, he had moved to DB for Auburn, but was a, a really good receiver um, in high school. May, complete speculation, maybe, maybe a guy to keep an eye on for South Carolina, looking for, for some future players. That guy, I always really liked him out of high school. I think he was a four-star kid. Yeah, couple couple things with him. Number one, uh, high school coach at, at Brookwood in Georgia, former Gamecock offensive lineman Phillip Jones. So one tie. And then also I do remember Matthew Hill uh, had a family member during the recruiting process that really liked South Carolina. Um, now, was that tied more to staff or what? I, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. probably got to keep an eye on because we know South Carolina is going to have to hit the portal, right? So, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. All right, so we did have a request to talk a little bit about Coastal versus BYU. Um, I So, first of all, I think it's pretty awesome that um, both sides have just said, screw it, we'll play. You know, I mean, and this whole some, – some sides, some teams like to say anybody, you know, anybody, anywhere, et cetera. But they don't always mean it. They don't always, always back that up. Um, I I think that I think it's pretty awesome. I think it's great for Coastal. It's great for Conway and the whole like Myrtle Beach area. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be intrigued. I think BYU again, based on the odds makers, Chris is the better football team. The odds makers normally know what they're talking about, but Here's the thing, dude, preparing for that coastal offense on extremely short notice and then coming all the way across the country on extremely short notice, I think that matters. Now, is that already baked into the the line, which I think is like at 10 points or so, something like that? Maybe so, but yeah, I'm, it, it would not shock me at all if, if coastal pulls the upset. Yeah, man, they're, they're a tough team to prepare for. And, you know, they do a really good job with their defense. You know, we talk about their offense a lot. Everybody does and, and should because it's it's good and it is very difficult to prepare for. It's, it's unique, you know, which is when you have a unique offense and it's executed well and you have good skill guys and a very capable quarterback, that, that makes it really tough. But defensively, they do a nice job too. And obviously BYU – it's going to come into town with a high-powered offense too. I mean, they've done a they've done a fantastic job on that side of the ball. So, really, you know, I think Coastal and Liberty when they were set to play was a really compelling matchup, but it got replaced with one that's I don't know. You could split hairs, but it, it may be equally as compelling. You know, this game. So I'm gonna be really fascinated to watch it tomorrow. No doubt. All right. So um, we got any final questions? I, I think we've. I mean, I've hit about everything as far as my thoughts on the game, man, to be honest with you. Um, I guess we can say shout out to all the high schools in this area that are competing for state championships this weekend. Um, 
I may try to get over there for for a couple of them. Uh, Dutch Fork looking for, I believe, their 19th straight championship, it feels like. They win every single year. Um, fairly local group uh, with Camden trying to, to take home a title on Saturday. Obviously a local group with AC Flora. Um, you know, with Coach Dustin Curtis over there and his quarterback's coach, Perry Orth, some other guys that are tied in with the Gamecocks on that staff, I believe, as well. So um, shout out to, to all the people competing for a state title. Um, I know you can't all win. There will be a winner and a loser for all those games, but it's a great accomplishment to make it that far. And uh, I'm sure a night or day that you will never, ever, ever forget, regardless of how it turns out. So I am a little bit disappointed, Chris, as Fred points out here, that Marion and Abbeville had to get postponed due to COVID. But um, also, uh, I'm also really, really worried that um, – or, or I'm, excuse me, I'm also glad that it didn't – I guess, get canceled, you know, that they just said, look, we're just going to push it back two weeks. Both teams should still get to play and that that game will still happen because I, I do want to get a look at at Marion and um, and checking out T.J. Sanders, a, a Gamecocks commitment at this time. Yeah, Abbeville, obviously a powerhouse, you know, in 2A, and uh, Marion's had a really good season. I know Jamie Nichols, the head coach at Abbeville, said that Marion's really difficult to prepare for. But T.J., I mean, a guy who who – really has done well in terms of just transitioning from being just a basketball only guy to football in the past couple of years. And so, you know, looking forward to see when they can do and, and really all the state games, there's some interesting matchups. There some really, really good teams. No doubt. All right. Um, I guess that's it. Greg says we talk too slow. So sorry, we're from South Carolina. So we talk slow. That is what Greg's it is. A regular, but he keeps tuning. So we appreciate you still tuning in, Greg, even though we talk slow. Yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Uh, Travis Edwards says he's a nine, 1999 South Carolina State champ. Congrats. Uh, that's pretty awesome. He says it stays with you forever. Um, yeah, so shout out to all those guys. Shout out to anybody who's participating this weekend. Uh, great moment for you. And uh, if you're if you're at the game, uh, at any of those games, uh, and you think and there's a short guy in Gamecock Central stuff, that's probably me. So come say what's up. Um, Chris, you got anything else, man? Nah, man, good. Looking forward to the weekend. Football, more football. Yeah, more football. Guys, we appreciate it. Appreciate the whole week. Um, maybe there, there was a question of will we hop on here live on Sunday if there's news. Um, I can't make that promise because it's going to be crazy. But if possible, we will do our best to hop on at some point if there's big news and give you some quick thoughts um, on the hire if that ends up being the case. So, uh, And that's just because – I'll tell you what, if y'all click the like button right now and hit the subscribe button on YouTube and leave a review on the podcast, then we will do our best to hop on on Sunday if there is an announcement. So, all right, y'all, appreciate it. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you either Monday and maybe Sunday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.